I'm Anna Saito Carson, Deputy Director for Outreach with the Project on U.S. Leadership and Development and CSIS. I'm here today with Kate Almquist Knopf, who has 19 years of public sector and NGO experience in development and peace building, including eight years as a senior executive at the U.S. Agency for International Development and seven years at World Vision. As an expert in African affairs, she served as the first mission director to Sudan and South Sudan following the reopening of the USAID mission. Ms. Knopf serves as the adjunct faculty at the Africa Center for Strategic Studies at the National Defense University and was the inaugural visiting policy fellow at the Center for Global Development. She's here today to speak about her experience working at the nexus of development and security and offer her advice for young people entering the field of global development today. Well, welcome, Kate. We're delighted to have you here today. And wanted to just touch upon the idea that you had addressed earlier in the conversation that security is a precursor to development. You know, I want you to sort of elaborate on that, particularly given your experience in Sudan. Right. Uh, so we often think about security and development going hand in hand together, and uh, there is clearly a strong correlation uh, between the two. Um, states that are um, uh, stable and secure uh, can uh, grow economically and uh, develop uh, institutionally. Um, states that uh, are uh, poor uh, are often uh, uh, insecure and unstable, but not always the case. Uh, and so I think it's important to recognize that security is a prerequisite for development, uh, for economic activity to happen, for um, uh, institutional, um, uh, political, and social change uh, to take place uh, to improve uh, citizens in, in the society. Um, without security, uh, that uh, isn't possible. Um, it's also, uh, it's, it's not necessarily the case, though, that uh, uh, development uh, uh, cannot uh, happen um, uh, even in a, a poor country that it, it, it uh, can be a stable uh, place with, without conflict. And we can think of many examples in Africa uh, where that's true. Yeah. So when we think about how security and development come together, I think we do have to recognize that um, uh, one does have to precede the other. Uh, and then we also need to recognize that uh, uh, as the countries develop and, and become more prosperous, uh, they are less likely to be insecure and, and to fall back into instability. But looking more deeply at why that is, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the institutions that enable the development and the economic growth in the first place, uh, and that uh, those institutions are also useful in managing conflict and uh, responding to internal and external stresses that uh, challenge those societies and you know, might otherwise pull back towards conflict. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I was struck by your comment about um, the role of institutions. And, you know, you touched on the earlier talk and you just um, discussed that briefly in your earlier comment. But sort of given your vast experience and pulling it all together, how do you think the United States broadly can better support institutional development, especially in fragile states? Yeah, I think this is really challenging because, uh, in fact, the tools that we have as a, uh, an official uh, donor of development assistance uh, and as a, a government partner 
uh, so to speak, um, are, are not necessarily the best tools for helping to bring about institutional reform. And I think there's been some really interesting research uh, by uh, some colleagues at the Center for Global Development and uh, who are also professors at, at Harvard on the limits of institutional reform and development. That's, in fact, the title of a, a book I recommend uh, uh, by Matt Andrews, a very interesting uh, piece of work. And um, uh, drawing on this concept of uh, institutions come out of uh, an iterative problem-solving approach uh, that uh, uh, a colleague of, of Matt uh, and a senior fellow at CGD, Lant Pritchett, uh, has also, uh, this is his concept uh, that they have been um, drawing out collectively, that institutions, um, uh, when we think about them even in our own country, they've often arisen out of failure. Uh, when we look at uh, how, um, uh, how businesses, how government institutions, how adaptation happens uh, uh, out of crisis, out of failure, uh, and problem-solving approaches. We try one thing, it doesn't necessarily work. We try something else. Uh, it's a continuous process. Uh, and uh, it's Im important for us as external actors to recognize that uh, societies in developing countries need to go through that process themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So while we can offer um, advice, while we can bring expertise uh, to the table, you know, while we can share experiences about what has worked in other places, uh, just because it was a, a solution in one place, of course, doesn't make it the appropriate solution there. And, um, I, and I think we have to recognize that it's the process of arriving at the solution that is um, as as important many times as the solution itself. Uh, and when we try and short circuit that process, uh, that's where we uh, become frustrated uh, uh, with um, results that uh, that aren't as successful as, as we'd all like them to see. So our role as external actors, I think, does need to be a lot more humble and, and modest and responsive to um, to the problem solvers within these societies, within these governments that are trying to address uh, the challenges that they've identified as problems, not that we've identified as problems for them. Uh, another uh, key point uh, for us to, to bear in mind. Uh, and then, uh, you know, all of the, the wonderful technical expertise and um, uh, best practices uh, can be thought of more in terms of the best fit for what's happening at that society and where they are in their process. So one-size-fits-all solutions don't work in these complex environments. <laughs> no. Um, so switching gears, because this is sort of our ongoing series that we have on iTunes University on careers and development, what, you know, um, offer, uh, you know, what kind of advice can you offer young people today starting to, you know, look into the career of global development? I'm sure and sort of maybe perhaps you can also touch on the role of mentors and how that might have shaped your path. And you have such a rich experience sort of straddling both policy and NGO and just having that field experience and but also sitting in Washington. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what kind of advice would you give young folks today? Well, I think my, my uh, main recommendation is to, to think about collecting experiences uh, that uh, focus on uh, something that you're passionate about. Uh, so if that is in international development, uh, that can be a specific sector or, or subject matter expertise, uh, but to think more broadly about uh, the processes that enable 
uh, that sector uh, to function, for it to play its role in this broader process of, of development and, and change that you know, we want to encourage to happen uh, in, in other parts of the world. And um, and to not uh, just consider um, one way of providing that and, and, and think more broadly than this is a technical fix that you know, I, if I become the most expert uh, in this or that subject, then you know, then I can provide the best value. But um, how we can really come alongside you know, uh, uh, partners and um, whether they're governments or NGOs or religious actors or businesses in developing countries you know, and respond to the problems that they're identifying in their societies. Yeah, so, so I like, reflect on my own experience. Uh, I have collected some um, uh, rather disparate, it seems, uh, experiences until you, you, you do see the common thread is a, a mentor that uh, you know, I was fortunate to, to um, work with early on in my career and uh, subsequently had a number of uh, very formative and, and um, challenging opportunities and experiences for me. You know, I think who you work with and for you know, can be as important as uh, where you're working, uh, the organization more broadly, or the title of the job that you have, um, and uh, to, to look for people that you can um, uh, emulate and learn from and uh, gain uh, from their experiences uh, is a, a key strategy in terms of thinking about you know, what direction to go in and uh, uh, where to um, to put energies in terms of uh, career opportunities. I think that's great advice. So let me turn to you. I'd like to ask one last question for our audience. What's next for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I am uh, fortunate now to, to sit in a bit of a reflective mode uh, since leaving USAID uh, now over four years ago, four and a half. Um, and uh, have really enjoyed my time with the Africa Center for Strategic Studies, with the Center for Global Development, uh, and working on uh, some other uh, projects. Um, it's a, it's very interesting to think about uh, fragile states, about how conflict ends, how violence ends, how does development happen, you know, all these processes. Um, I, I personally uh, uh, am attracted to you know, uh, thinking more um, more seriously about uh, the role of religious actors uh, in development, about uh, uh, sub-state actors in development. Uh, I think uh, as we look at uh, projections for uh, specifically focused on Africa, uh, demographics and, and what's happening there and what needs to happen in order to keep pace with uh, uh, the population boom uh, for the continent and uh, economic growth rates, we have to think a lot more um, about cities and the role that they play in development. Uh, and um, there's been uh, some interesting, there's an interesting book uh, uh, called uh, If Mirrors Ruled the World uh, by, I think, a professor at NYU yeah, that I I, uh, I find very intriguing uh, in terms of uh, you know, a construct uh, that we um, I don't think put enough thought into right now in terms of uh, development focus. So so I hope to be able to pursue some interests uh, uh, along those lines. Well, great. Well, thank you very much for your time today, and we look forward to seeing you back at CSIS. Thanks very much for having me.